Good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. For the last few days, Mary Alice has been giving us some really, really great stuff. And her theme has been starting and how to start. You know, we all want to make our lives different in 2021 and do better than we have before. But as we know, one of the tough things about starting is sometimes knowing where to start. And Mary Alice has challenged us in these first five episodes to do the next right thing. And that is so important. For years, I've coached leaders that you can't jump flat-footed to the moon. It's about taking steps. And so she's given us five important steps that we can take to start our new year in a wonderful way. And they all have to do with our relationship with God. You know, at New Spring, we're always saying, it's not a religion, it's about a relationship. And what Mary Alice has been coaching us on is, um, is so much about that relationship. She gave us five steps to start the new year. Number one is to seek God, and that means to focus on Him. I have ADD, and I gotta tell you, the biggest challenge in my life is focusing. And especially in our world that just has so much, uh, you know, action and, and energy and, and just junk that tries to pull our attention away. And then she talked about knowing God, and that's in listening to God and being sensitive to His his moves and his word in our lives and then follow God, which is aligning our lives with God. And that's always a challenge because as human beings, it's our nature to want to go our own way. And then the all important love God. We know how important that is in the Bible because God is always telling us that's the very core of what it means to follow him and loving God. She gave us the word heart. And I think that's important because to love God isn't to have a feeling uh, it's not to have some sort of intellectual exercise, but loving God is from the will. It's what we want to do. And then serving God is putting God's instructions into action in our lives. And so in all of these things, you know, it's, it's wonderful to take the next step of focus, the next step of listening, aligning. You know, we always need to look at our lives and see if something's out of line with God. And then, you know, it's a great thing to look at our hearts and see if God really has first place in our lives. And then if there's something that we need to do for God that we're not doing, we can put that into action. Well, Mary Alice asked me to handle number six, and I got to tell you, I'm so thankful to be able to do that because the sixth one that she gave us is anticipate God. Anticipate. What a wonderful word. Anticipate comes to us from the Latin. And like so many ancient words, it's two words that's joined together. Ante, A-N-T-E, means before. Uh, like an ante room is like a waiting room before you enter the main room. And then caper, which means to grasp. It means to grasp something before. And so since we're talking about anticipating God, it is to grasp before God moves that he is going to move. So let me just give you some of my favorite thoughts about anticipating God. I think about this a lot. I mean, this is such a beautiful thing uh, to anticipate, to know that God uh, is is on the move. So let's just start with this first one. I guess it's most fundamental, and that is that God is working. I mean, it it may not feel like God is working today, but God is always working. Let me give you a, a saying. If I'm praying, God's working. <laughs> He's working whether I pray or not. But what I'd like to think about, and I'd like for us to think about in our lives, is that when we feel like nothing's happening and we pray and we still don't see something happen, it's important to know that God is working. And as we're gonna talk about in just a few moments, the way God works is so different from what we anticipate that a lot of times when we don't see him working, we, we can presume that nothing's happening, but God is always working. And I'm gonna use a, a verse that you know very well in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, the Bible says, in all things, God works for good. So, 
you can look at the things in your life today, whatever, whatever those things are. And some of them could be really, really bad. And it's kind of hard to imagine how God can make anything good out of what's going on. But the Bible does tell us that in all things, God works for good. It doesn't say that all things are good. It's just that God is working and he's working for good. Now, the second thought that I want to share with you is that God always tends to show up, or forgive me for saying always, let me just say God tends to show up when things are darkest. Now, I could give you a lot of illustrations in my own life out of this and the lives of people that I know and love, but let me just give you the word of God on this because that's way more important than my own experiences, although they've borne this out. I think about the Red Sea when the Israelites leaving Egypt had the Red Sea at flood stage in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them. And it's just hard to imagine, you know, two and a half million people being in any more trouble than that. And yet what happened? God showed up when things were at their worst. How about uh, in Daniel chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, being thrown into the fire furnace because they wouldn't bow down to political correctness. And I'm sure it looked very dark, you know, when they were being bound up and, and those uh, soldiers were getting ready to throw them in the furnace. And yet what happened? Jesus showed up and uh, he was the fourth man in the fire. How about Paul and Silas? I mean, they had preached the gospel and, and they had delivered by the power of God, a young woman who was possessed by a demon. And instead of the town being excited about it, they uh, threw Paul and Silas in prison. They were beaten with stripes. And at midnight, you know, in that awful, awful situation in that Philippian jail, um, you know, they were praying and singing praises and then the earthquake came and shook the place open and God delivered them. Those are just a few illustrations, but those of you who like to study your Bible, you'll know this is a common theme, you know, that uh, God tends to show up when things are the darkest, whether it's the disciples in the storm or Esther dealing with the challenges that she dealt with. So many stories. And, and the reason why I really stress this today is that you and I live in really, really dark times. And it can almost feel like the times that we're living in are just so difficult. Maybe they've never been like this before, but they have. I was reading in the uh, book of Micah, which is one of the prophets uh, after Israel had gotten into a lot of trouble, Judah got in a lot of trouble, and they were dealing with just the, the pain of unbelief and sin and, and idolatry. Here's what Micah said in Micah chapter seven. He said, I'm so miserable the godly have been swept from the land. Swept, what an interesting word. He talked about the people of his time and he said, both hands are skilled in doing evil. And then the evil dictate what they desire. In verse five, he said, you can't even trust people who should be close to you. And think about this line. He said, you have to be careful of your words. Wow, is that 2021? But after talking about all those awful things, in verse seven, he said, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my savior. My God will hear me. So as we're thinking about all the awful things, you know, we can get really down and depressed about the pain that's going on in our country and our world. And yes, I believe we're getting very close to the coming of the Lord. And we've been told about how things are going to be at that time. But I just, I guess I love that, um, that expression, but as for me, in other words, Micah's saying, I'm not thinking like the people around me are thinking. Sure, I see the bad stuff, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. Why did Micah say that? Because he knew God tends to show up when things are darkest. Here's my third thought for you. 
God always shows up in unexpected ways. By the way, I need to let you know that our pre-Easter series is called The Unexpected Jesus. And I can't wait to do some teaching on that because Jesus was always doing things that were unexpected. <clears throat> now, there's several reasons why God tends to show up in unexpected ways. And I don't pretend to know all the counsels of God, but I, I do know a couple of reasons why God's work in our lives uh, tends to be a little unexpected. Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do more than we can ask or think, exceedingly more. So, you know, I think we get this human-sized idea of what God can do. You know, we sort of think, well, here's what a human could do, so I'm going to guess what a superhuman could do. But God, of course, is way able to, able to do way more than we ask or think. And then I have cause to think about these verses almost every day of my life. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the Bible says, His ways are not our ways. So it's a challenge for us to anticipate what God's going to do. And this is this whole talk today is not about anticipating a particular course of action on God's part, but rather it's anticipating that God is going to work. So how do we prepare if we don't know what God's going to do? In other words, if, if I'm in a difficult situation today, as many of us are, and I need God to work and move, but I don't know how he's going to work and move, um, and I can't necessarily guess what he's going to do. How does Mark prepare for God to work tomorrow? I want to give you one of the most important verses in your Bible. First of all, let me give you a little background. Joshua is a brand new leader and he is leading the people into the promised land and they just barely are there, but they got across the Jordan River and they don't know how they're gonna do it. So um, here's what Joshua says. Joshua told the people to purify themselves, for tomorrow, he said, the Lord will do a great miracle. I don't know if Joshua had any idea specifically what God was going to do, but he said to the people, purify yourselves. That's a, that's a strong statement. You know, uh, when I was a kid, there was a song that went around that um, I think the title of the song was, If Jesus Came to Your House. And the idea was, uh, what would you do in your house to get ready if Jesus was going to come to your house, say, tomorrow? And, of course, the song, if I remember right, and it's been a long time, but the song talked about we would get the very best room ready for him, we would get the best food ready for him. But then I remember the song saying, there's some stuff we might want to get rid of in our house. I mean, we might want to uh, get rid of some entertainment, or we might want to get rid of some stuff that we'd be embarrassed if the Lord saw well, that was just sort of a fantasy song, but it does open a great question. If God is going to work in my life and I don't know what he's going to do, what I can do is I can get my heart ready and I, I, want, to be, I, want, I want to be ready so that I won't be embarrassed when God shows up in my life. And, and so here's the deal. Now, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to say what I feel so strongly. I can't control what God is going to do. I have no control over that. Don't want any control over that because he does way more and his ways are better. What I can control is my own, my own heart. I can control my life. So instead of trying to help God do what he's going to do, my, my need is to, is to get my heart ready for God to work. Several years ago, uh, I was speaking at a church, and uh, there was a great music group there. They're a Grammy-nominated group called the Martins. And they have a song, and they sang the song that night, and I, it, the title of the song is God's going to do what he's going to do. 
And here, here's the opening lyric. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's always up to something new, and you never know just who he's going to use. So when he calls your name, my friend, find your place and jump right in if you want to be in on what God's going to do. And I like that. Just find our place. Work on what's not right in our lives and let God do what he does. Here's the fourth and the final thought. Last weekend at New Spring, I talked about being at the point of despair. And I'm troubled about that because I just see so many people because of the pain and the anger and the hostility and just the stuff going on in our world. I see so many people who are at the point of despair. And so one more time, I want to speak to everyone who's at that place. Um, and, and here's what I want to talk about. A lot of us are hearing this today who are in a very painful place and you're having a hard time with it because you're saying, Mark, I've been anticipating God. I've been, I've been anticipating God for days or months or maybe even years. And I haven't seen God show up the way I had hoped that he was going to show up. Well, I, this is not cliche when I say it's never too late to anticipate God. You know, I guess I've been talking about songs that I love, but there was a song um, from a group that's about when uh, Lazarus died and Jesus shows up four days late. And I think the title of the song is actually Four Days Late. And it, the, the song says, when he's four days late, he's still on time. So it, it's important for us to recognize that uh, it's never too late to anticipate God, that at the right moment, God is gonna work in our lives. And so please don't give up. If you've been anticipating God and you still haven't seen him work and move, his timing's not there yet, and it's never too late to anticipate God. You know, uh, when being a, a pastor now for 44 years and having grown up in a pastor's home, I can tell you that there are a lot of illustrations that uh, pastors have used through the years or evangelists have used that are very popular, and I've heard them over and over and over again. Heard them when I was a kid and maybe still hear them today. But uh, one of the favorite illustrations is the one that I'm about to give you. And I would love to give credit for whoever used it the first time, but I have no idea. As far as I can tell, the earliest usage of it was in 1955 and Billy Graham used it. But here's the, here's the basic story of it. There is a famous painting called Checkmate. And the painting is of two individuals playing chess. One is a, a young, young man. And the other is uh, kind of a wizard-looking character that clearly is representing Satan. And having played the game and being deep into the game, you can see the Satan character leering that he's won. And you see the young man in desperation and exasperation that he knows clearly that he's lost. And again, the title of the painting is Checkmate. <clears throat> well, <laughs> that painting was hanging in an art gallery. And a couple of guys... We're looking at the painting and one guy was ready to walk on, but the other guy just stayed there and focused on the chessboard. Turns out that he was an international chess expert. He was a champion. And when his friend asked him to move on, he said, no, I want to look at this for a little bit. And finally he said to his friend, the painter's going to have to change the title or he's going to have to change the picture. And his friend said, what do you mean? And then he answered this way. He said, the king has one more move. Well, the reason why ministers have loved that story through the years is exactly what I'm talking about. 
So many times it feels like the game is over. We anticipated God and he didn't show up the way that we thought he should have shown up. But always remember this, the King, our Lord Jesus, always has one more move. So I hope today this talk has been a little bit of a blessing because I can tell you, if you are God's daughter, if you are God's son, you have every reason to anticipate God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we've had together on Noah's Wind, and thank you for the great teaching that we've already had on this little series so far. We do want to listen to you, to know you. We want to talk to you. We want to love you, and definitely we want to anticipate your moving in our lives. But you know how that this world and Satan and all the problems that we have conspire against us to make us feel like we're all by ourselves. Father, I just pray that this word anticipate will be in our hearts today to grasp before you move that you are going to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how could I do this little talk without reminding us that Jesus is coming soon? And that's something wonderful to anticipate. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day today and thank you for joining Mary Alice and me for Noah's Window.